Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. It's World Wide Wave, Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community, taking around the globe one queer story at a time. I'm Matt and we are live from the Joy Studios at the magnificent Victorian Pride Centre and tonight I'm joined by Alex. Hola. Hola. And uh, very shortly by Andrew. Homosexual, gay, queer, lesbian, uh, two-spirit, soji, friends of Dorothy and Fafini. Uh, Fafafini, I always have trouble with that one. Fafafine. Fafafine, thank you. <laughs> LGBTIQIA. All names used at various times by various people to describe our device, uh, diverse sorry, rainbow community. There is no single term that works across the globe, but what does that really matter? And we, um, and are we leaving behind groups who don't have English as their primary language? A new Australian initiative to create an LGBTI. QA terminology guide in languages other than English is being created by RMIT University in partnership with the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council. It will provide a terminology guide and translator and translator people of multicultural and multi-faith communities. Uh, joining us in the studio tonight is Budi Sadato from the Australian GLBT Multicultural. Commission, the AGMC, and Elvira Quintana, a linguist participating in the project. Should we be working towards one overarching name for our community? Do you think we could crack that one? Crack that one? Just one single name, rather than LGBTIQAP, all the other bits? Do you think we could do it? Would you use it? Well, it would be, of course, difficult to find one that probably is inclusive enough, but I suppose queer, in a way, is the closest we've come. Mm, I wonder, though. Not everyone's happy with that term, I suppose, but I'll leave that to the experts maybe to comment on. Now we get to welcome to the studio, in the studio with us. It's very exciting having studio guests, let me tell you. Uh, Budi Sadato, who's been with on the show before. Welcome back, Budi. Loved it. Lovely to see you again. And this beautiful Pride Centre. It's wonderful, isn't it? And uh, Elvira Quintana, you are a linguist participating with the project. What's your language? Spanish. Give Thank us something in Spanish. Me. Say hello in Spanish. Hola, ¿cómo están? Ah. Muchas gracias por la invitación. Oh, I love it. Alex, <laughs> did you get that? Sí. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us didn't. <laughs> um, this sounds like a really intriguing, exciting project. L- sounds challenging to me. 
Can you give us in a nutshell what the project is about? Just a nutshell. Just a tiny little bit in a minute. Okay. (laughs) So, um, RMIT and AGMC, we had been in conversation for a long time about addressing um, LGBTIQA plus terminology in languages other than English. Then an opportunity to apply for funding through City of Melbourne came up. So we put a joint tender, a joint funding application, and obviously we got it. And the whole thinking behind the project is recognizing that even using the English language, the terminology is very complex. And when you're trying to translate that to languages that is not English, a lot of the explanation can get lost in translation. There's certain words that don't exist in many languages. There's certain meanings, certain contexts. So we just want to create a bridge between the English language and all these different community languages and try to produce resources so translators and interpreters will have something that they can easily read, easily download, to actually explain what the terminology is and all the cultural complexity that comes with it. So that's in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that's less than one minute. (laughs) No, that's fine. Thinking back to when this first started and your first thought, let's let's put put in for this grant, what were you seeing or what were you hearing from uh, members of the LGBT community Mm -hmm. who don't have English as their first... Uh, first language. I think there's a lot of still a little bit of confusion, isn't it, Elfira? Even in the you know we are still running the project now, and even during the project, we still encounter community members who got absolutely confused. You know, okay, there, there is this English language, this English word called um, dead naming and policing and all the other stuff that Elfira and I discovered today, and you know how and we, we the two of us just started thinking, how are we going to translate this in our language and we had to stop and think. So imagine if you are an interpreter, so you're doing a live interpreting service, and all this terminology came up, and you had no idea what that meant, you had no idea how to translate it to your language, and you might actually end up using words that's actually um, quite disrespectful, not inclusive, um, words that should not be used, because you know words change all the time. So we just, we just want to make sure that you know people are starting to have that conversation, um, people who are outside of the community, the LGBTIQ plus community, starting to have that understanding that words change and there has been new words being developed within the language community and making sure that they can they know how to use it and making sure that they use it um, with respect and in the spirit of inclusion. Yes, Elvira, th- is that ringing bells for you as a, as a yes, linguist and interpreter? Yes, definitely. And I think... Um, uh, from the perspective of RMIT, we are in contact and we hear a lot from the industry um, and stakeholders who gave feedback about the fact that translators and interpreters might um, need these resources where they can have free access to a respectful and inclusive language, as Budi was saying. So um, RMIT's, um, within our RMIT, we provide education and training for the largest um, range of languages in the country, many of which are low volume, uh, as well as new emerging languages. So we really do take that social responsibility into account and in trying to develop um, resources, but as well creating awareness within the industry um, for us. Uh, and I here, I'm incredibly honored to be working this project because I'm wearing many hats. Like obviously, my professional hat uh, as a translator, as a linguist, 
as well as a proud member of the LGBTIQA plus community, um, and also that intersectionality of my ethnic background, um, experiencing um, all these things and providing these, I, I believe that I can bring many good things to this project. Um, and as well as uh, obviously learning from what Budi is uh, teaching us. There's a lot of training involved as well for those who participate in the project. So this is something that we take very seriously. <laughs> you, you Sorry, I'm just laughing. It's just make it sound like I'm forcing you to do it. <laughs> no, we're loving it. Um, I've learned so much so far. Even um, as a member of the community, I thought I knew about, and as Budi was saying, language is so complex, it's organic, it evolves. Um, what was relevant last year, it might not be relevant these years. So that's why I think the resources um, that we develop might grow in the future. So this is not it. This is a conversation that we're starting. You mentioned emerging languages there. Are we still creating new languages? What, what's an emerging we language? We are. Like, even if we think about the English language, mm -hmm. you know, talking about the terminology, there's always a new terminology came up. And, you know, as, as, as a professional um, and also members of the community, sometimes we can't keep up. We just have to keep updating ourselves. And when we talk about emerging languages, it's more about the communities that's finally making their way to Australia. So we're talking about the migrant communities that has received, um, you know, if they're seeking asylum, finally got a protection visa. And the numbers might be quite small, but, they, you know, and, and they are living in a country that talk quite openly about LGBTIQA plus stuff, especially leading up to the election. And if they have no re reference about what it meant, because it wasn't talked about widely in their country of origin, if they didn't know about the language, about what does it mean, you know, what, what does gay and lesbian, gay and lesbian is probably the easiest one because mm -hmm. a lot of people around the world understand it. But the moment we start to do the B, the T, the I, the mm -hmm. A, the Q, and all the other terminologies, and they're going to have young people from their communities talking about these terminologies. So mm -hmm. we need to constantly updating ourselves and adding more languages as much as we can because our, our aim is to make sure that there's no communities being left behind within our, the, the limitation of the funding, of course. Our guest tonight is Budi Sudato from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council and Elvira Quintana, a linguist participating in the project. Coming up, we're going to discuss what makes this project so important to so many communities. This is World Wide Wave. Where our diverse communities can come together. Joy. Buonoichi. This is David from Brazil, listening to World Wide Wave on Joy 94.9. What language do you use when you talk about our community? Is it the rainbow community? Is it the LGBT? Is it LGBTIQ? IQA+. Uh, there's so many. You said before, Matt, that, you know, um, uh, you were talking, sorry, um, our two guests, we're talking about, you know, not necessarily knowing these terms. And I mean, that's nothing new to the mainstream community i mean you'll have ask anyone on the street they won't know much beyond the lgbt mm. probably stops there for the vast majority and i'm curious um as a, a linguist myself to an extent um the language teacher and um, look what words have you found like i mean i'm guessing you've learned a lot of words as well in various languages for members of our community that are interesting and is there also a debate in some of the languages looked at between say what is politically correct so i've mentioned queer before we can use that um 
but of course we don't expect people outside the community to use it towards us because it's obviously it's, it's sensitive so there's words that community can use for itself and then there's words outside i'm curious what you found about different language groups you are reading our mind we just have these discussions uh because we we, we run a, a spanish workshop uh, or a workshop with um spanish-speaking lgbtiqa plus and um Elvira and Elvira, I look at Elvira at one point and just kind of ask her to contribute because the word lesbian in English is seems to be quite harmless, right? Yes. It seems to be quite neutral. Um, we know what it meant, but Elvira, there was a really heated discussion about using the word lesbian in Spanish. Yes, yes. And, and and I'd like to clarify. I mean, this focus group I was participating as a translator, so one of my roles was to create minutes, and I was trying to really remain within that role. And uh, I mean, I did say that disclaimer in the focus group hey i'm a translator here but if i can contribute my personal experience here is that um perhaps someone from a mexican background i.e a spanish-speaking background might not be entirely comfortable with the word lesbian in spanish mm. being used we might prepare uh, we might prefer gay woman um mm. and especially people from my generation say like the 80s um sexuality gender identity it's a big taboo um there's people still who are coming to terms and the word lesbian in spanish might not have been reclaimed mm. um by the lesbian communities in um spanish-speaking countries so we have to be really careful and i think this is part of the biggest um underlying beauty of this project we're not mm. only looking at words and how do they translate i mean anyone can use um Google Translate or machine translation for certain terminology, but mm. um, us as translators, we have this responsibility to look beyond what's there in language and and find that underlying meaning and what is going to be sensitive mm. and culturally appropriate in some contexts. Mm. That's what we're looking for here. Yeah, so we came up with one way to um, to navigate that complexity is still providing the the translation about lesbian to lesbiana, but also with a disclaimer that. In certain Spanish-speaking communities, this term is uh, has a lot of negative connotation mm -hmm. to it. And when you're doing um, providing translation, then it's best to switch it around between lesbian and gay woman, which is in Spanish. It's completely skipped my mind. <laughs> what would that be? <laughs> oh, would you like me to yeah. say it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mujer gay? Yeah. Mujer That's gay. the word that came Mujer up that gay. evening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so again, this is not about, um, you know, this is not about, Uh, Western terminology being translated word per word to different languages, uh, like yeah. like, like what Elfira um, said, it has to it has to be in a context. You know, it has to be culturally safe. If members of the community don't feel that this translation is culturally safe, then it is within our responsibility to provide context, explanation, mm -hmm. even more explanation about why this certain terminology is being used in the English language. Mm -hmm. And what is the best way to interpret it in different languages? Does that mean you also f discover that there are no words in certain languages mm. for certain new parts of the yeah, um, very extending, getting old, longer uh, yeah. acronym? 
I think a really good example as well, not only the acronym, but um, we were talking about dead naming. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, and I think this is the case for most languages. Um, dead name is not something that exists within the context of the LGBTIQA community. So um, what do we do? What, <laughs> if, could, could you explain what that means? Budico. It's probably a difficult question. <laughs> so dead naming is a name that was given to us at, at birth based on our assigned um, sex or gender. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, and I then um, for people, you know, I'm non-binary yes. myself and I, I, I chose to keep my name because my name is quite neutral. But mm-hmm. for some transgender diverse, they, they, they use... Um, they 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 use different name or they use their pref- um, their their affirmed name to really indicate yes. their gender. Yes, now I'm a, yes I do know that term. That <laughs> See, even <laughs> even in English, yeah. we're still struggling yeah. to it. We're still catching up to it yeah. because a lot of the terminologies come up so yes. quickly. Who who are the kinds of people who are going to make use of this guide? So we've kind of got the interpreters, but is is it targeting the broader community? Will the broader you know, um, non-English speaking communities be able to pick this up and and find value in it? Yes, certainly. Um, The resources will be uh, for translators and interpreters. um, And this is how we're thinking of um, developing it. I mean, the part of the research project is uh, creating a terminology that can be used by translators and interpreters, but it will be a free access uh, for all. So anyone from the um, communities, language communities can access Mm -hmm. um, the resources one they're once they're ready and all the uh, terminology <laughs> and even even members of our own communities so multicultural lgbtiqa plus you know they pick it up and they're like oh, okay so i understand it in english but i never really understood it but ah. now i actually understand it in my language so it's easier mm. and they might pick it up and give it to their family and their relatives and their friends saying this is what i meant when i said this and they're like ah, okay makes sense um a lot of local councils actually been very interested in this because they right. see the opportunity for these resources to be made available for people who are accessing their services and for their for their staff as well you know it's all part of this this concept of cohesion you know, we are about trying to make sure that members of the community, regardless where they came from, are understanding about LGBTIQA+. They understand the importance of inclusion. And one way to do that is by making sure that they actually understand what it meant. And when you understand what it meant, then it's easier to start the discussion about inclusion and diversity. And the languages you're covering, in, at least in this first project, Vietnamese, Spanish, Mandarin, Cantonese... Korean and Arabic. Yes. Why those ones? Why those ones? Uh, from very, very long discussions and meetings, and we, we, we only have enough funding to, to create 10 to 12 um, resources yep. for, for all different languages. So we look at City of Melbourne as our funder. We look at the demographic data. We kind of said, okay, these are the groups that's there. Then we go back to the LGBTIQA plus community. We're like, okay, so which groups that actually need these resources the most? So we just came up with those six, the first six, and there will be another four to six languages coming up in the second half of the year. Our guests are Budi Sadato from the Australian GLBT IQ Multicultural Council and Elvira Quintana, a linguist participating in the project. Coming up, we'll be discussing what this means for the broader LGBTI community around the world. This is Worldwide Wave. Joy out loud proud. This is Dr. Sean Cole from London College of Fashion. Some things go out of style, but Worldwide Wave never does. You're on Joy 94.9. 
special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcast automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash worldwide wave or iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave a review. And don't also forget that Joy is a community organisation and uh, we run off the strength of volunteers. We've got about 250-odd volunteers. What? I'm not being paid. No. <laughs> <laughs> sure the check's in the mail. Um, we're always looking for new volunteers, always welcoming new volunteers. Um, you know... I'm a volunteer. I volunteer to read the news and I'm news. finding it really re- rewarding. I started um, in October last year and I write the bulletins and met a lot of new people and here I am on the radio now too. Yeah, and I started on front desk. Did you really? I was, I was receptionist yeah. for a while back in the city and then news reading and podcasting and then here. So you and don't know where it's going to yeah, take you. Where, exactly. And we've got lots of behind-the-scene team as well. And, and as you said, people who just look after the front desk and yep. keep things moving. So lots of opportunities. We have a monthly information session. You can register your interest at joy.org.au. That's joy.org.au and look under the volunteer tab. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like Worldwide Wave on Facebook now. Our guests tonight are Buddy Sedato from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council and Elvira Quintana, who is a linguist participating in this uh, very, very intriguing uh, project mm. around the language, the terminology of our community. Now, I had a question uh, following on. We've talked earlier about the different communities and diverse, Arabic, Korean, um, uh, and the others, and just curious, how did you find the experience of liaising with these, finding members of those language communities who identify as part of our community? Lots and lots and lots of email. <laughs> lots of email. Email every single council and organizations that we can think of, a little bit of a nudging with friends, kind yeah. of go, hey, do you want to, like, you know, please. Um, but it has been it has been interesting to, um, to try to get community members to be involved because, mm. you know, and we talk of air about some of the community um, languages are actually quite difficult to be mm. involved. Um, you know, people will have thought that Arabic will be the difficult, the most difficult ones. It was actually Korean. We are mm. struggling still until today, struggling to get participants from um, from the Korean community who identify as LGBTIQA plus to be part of the project. Um, and interestingly enough, the the people who have signed up for from the Korean community, they live either interstate or overseas. So mm. there was no one in Victoria who is like Korean and LGBTIQA plus. You, you go to the CBD and you you know you can't help but fall over a Korean grill. <laughs> A Korean barbecue restaurant yes. on every corner. Have so. you tried that, Buddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, I, I have limited budget. You know, I can't spend it all on food. Just door knocking. Is that maybe something to do with the, the cultural sensitivities of, of uh, a willingness to talk about LGBT issues in, in Korean culture? Well, I can't speak on behalf of the Korean culture, but we, do, we, we started to get a sense that sexuality and gender mm. is something that's quite private. So we started getting a sense that maybe that's where some of the hesitancy is and maybe why some people who live interstate or overseas actually want to contribute to this project mm. because they're not 
scene in Melbourne. Yes, They're not part of the Victorian Korean um, community. So for them, it feels safe. And look, we allow that and we understand exactly why because Elfira and I, at one point, we've been in that shoes. We've been mm-hmm. in that position where we felt that we have to limit our, our movement. We have to limit our interaction with the LGBTIQ plus community because we don't want people to know. And, you know, and you can... I mean, I'm, I'm, and even working, say, in a professional capacity uh, myself as a translator and interpreter, I, I work with the Spanish-speaking community, in some cases the elderly who mm-hmm. will not understand if I say if I say to them, oh, I don't have a husband, because they ask me all the time, like, do you have a husband? Do you have children? Well, yes, I have a child, but I don't have a husband. I have a partner, you know. Um, and um, that is something that you always contend with in any capacity. And I think you you guys can probably relate to that too as well uh, mm. within your own professional environments. And anyone who's listening has always had to ask themselves a question, um, do I have this conversation with this person yeah. or not, or move on to a different topic? <laughs> and that's a great one you raise because I know from speaking German and French that it is not easy. You, ha- you self-identify, mm. but there's no neutral word partner. Yes, exactly. In Spanish, no doubt the well, same. So you have, to, you have to eventually give away the gender of yes. your partner. So you can't have it. There's most, a lot of languages don't have a neutral term. Wow. Just, just yeah. very quickly as well, because we had this conversation even downstairs. The pronouns is still an mm, issue, yes. especially in Spanish. And the, the workshops we run in Spanish, Mandarin and um, Vietnamese. And all three different language groups are stuck when it comes to pronouns. Yeah. How do we use they? You know, and I'm someone whose pronoun is they and he. So I'm like, so if I introduce myself to members of your community, how would you refer me? And we had a long conversation and in Spanish. It's <laughs> yes, I think the focus group in Spanish, largely like the main topic of that was pronouns. We're mm. such a heavily gendered mm. um, language. Yeah. We, there's not such a thing as gender neutrality. Yeah. You have to specify even yeah. for the things that we use, like the table uh, cannot yeah. be masculine. It has to be feminine. Yes. <laughs> you know, and you understand from speaking French and German. Yes. Uh, I mean, in German, yeah, at least you've got a third and neutral. You don't language. use that for anything but animals so it's yeah well, it's there like, you go. maybe there should be yeah a partner word that is um, the neuter um, gender yeah but yes it's an interesting one because it's always like i've always wondered it's so hard because you just can't but give away the gender of mm. your partner mm. and if you're trying to be discreet you know partner's a great word in english mm. most people trying to pretend to work out you know <laughs> that you mean male partner or female partner depending like but still you can at least hide a little bit behind the neutrality of gender, of um, the word partner. Yes, if you yeah. choose to. Uh, yeah. I think it's such an interesting conversation, the, yeah. the, the gender. The gender in the focus group, yeah. Because the focus group involves uh, members of the community who's telling us a lot of this information. And, you know, we, we, we kept, especially with the Spanish community, we, we just kept talking about, you know, there is development in the Spanish language mm-hmm. about using the, is it, was it an E? To, to indicate neutrality, but not many people. Oh, even, yeah, there's a new yeah, tendency, new yes. Tendency, but mm-hmm. even people in the focus groups, not all of them like that idea yeah. because it has to change the whole sentence structure. And as a non-Spanish speaker, I was yeah. just sitting there thinking, this is brilliant, <laughs> this is <Yeah>. gold. <laughs> like, this is what we have you around here. Um, and that's what Elfira said before, language changed so quickly. Mm. But we also know as migrants in this country, we don't always 
up to date with the development that exists in our country. So when Elvira said working with elderly communities, trying to explain it, when their, their vocabulary is probably still from back in the days, and you know, and they, there's no need for them to actually update their vocabulary. So this is where the project is going to come in. Could could we ever simplify it just down to one term across the broader community? Do you think? Never. Alvira, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from your experience, do you think we could ever simplify it in that way? No, I think we should just keep adding on to more letters. <laughs> <laughs> have the whole well, alphabet. It, yeah, have it in there. Um, um, go. Yeah, no, I, I was going to mention the um, one of the really great things about the project as well is that richness that all the community members bringing to um, the discussion. So this is not about translators and interpreters developing their own resources, but it is about bringing community members who bring the resources to life. So actually developing something that is going to be useful and relevant. That's what's important. Wonderful. And the City of Melbourne is supporting this. Yes, And uh, if anybody knows anyone that is uh, in the LGBT community in Korean... Well, how, how do people find out more about the project? Not in Korea. But no, 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 well, not in Korea, no. So, <laughs> Korean-speaking, Arabic-speaking and Cantonese-speaking um, LGBTIQA plus community members, they can email me, um, budi, B-U-D-I, at agmc.org.au or we have a Facebook page as well, so AGMC Translation Project, and that's where they can find out. We'll get that from you. We'll put it on our Facebook page as well so people can um, go to W3G, find it there nice and easy. Budi Sadato from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council and Elvira Quintana, a linguist and interpreter. Thank you so much for coming in to tell us about your project and we look forward to seeing the final result. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. From coming out to reaching out, fighting for change or battling to be heard. These are the stories of the diverse rainbow community from across the globe. Coming to you from Australia's LGBTIQ radio station, Joy. Hola a todos. Hello everyone. This is Sergio Tobar Velarde from Mexico City, director of the film Four Moons. And I want to say hello to everyone listening through Joy 94.9. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. A big thank you to our guests tonight, Budi Sadato from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council and Elvira Quintana, uh, a linguist participating in the project, and also Miranda Lay, the project coordinator who uh, helped us set up this interview tonight. You can find out more on Facebook, search AGMCRMIT Translation. And we want to thank um, people who sent us Facebook messages. There was Lana, Stefan, Jennifer, David and a heap more who've joined or interacted with us on Facebook this past week. That's W3Joy on Facebook. And behind the scenes, thank you to our podcaster Peter and social media master Dean. And we'll be back next week with more World Wide Wave. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news 
Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.